Welcome to the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and radio show infused with hip-hop. I am Wood. Made daily. With organic, farm-to-table, localized, neuralized, sterilized, scotch-guarded for 2020 repellent, available online, shipped via Amazon, not available on Sundays, but now available on thebeastradio.com. Broken Pencil Logic. You stay classy, Internet. I'm Suave Burgundy. Ooh-wee. You can see the things that we have to deal with on this boy. end over here. <laughs> boy. First and foremost, today okay. is Thursday, December 16th. Yeah, my Lord. Yeah, my Lord. I said, yeah, my Lord. Yeah, my Lord. 2021. Amen. Happy National Podcasters Day. And because it's National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. Oh. Happy birth happy birthday to my wife. Oh. Happy birthday to El Presidente. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? We got the mayor's constituency while while the missus out here running for office like she campaigning for the black house. You feel what I'm saying? So we here for a good time, not a long time, because I, I have prior obligations. And I said podcast Thursday. It's actually National Podcast Day. However, you can't have a podcast without podcasters. I've never heard a, ra- uh, a robot conduct a podcast. Yet. Yet. Coming soon, but that, that ain't going to be over here. Um, you're probably going to hear this episode on thir- on Friday, December 17th, for a reason. That reason is going to be at the end of this episode. <laughs> do not do not jump through this episode I'm 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 spoiling. Shouts out tan spot black spot. I'm spoiling don't bury the, the don't bury the lead. Um, you got to do it like uh, like attitude era raw. Stone Cold Steve Austin is on his way here. We don't know what he's gonna do, but he's in route to the vi- to the venue. And in, in in this case, replace Stone Cold Steve Austin with the Snowman DJ Tony Snow. Can't ban the Snowman. Yeah. Oh. You know people are really still getting jail time over typing out B B I H H H. Bro, first of all, no matter how many H's you put on it, if you type it out, you go into Facebook jail. Luckily, I'm Mark Safe. I've never been in Facebook jail. Been in Twitter jail before, not Facebook jail. I got put in Facebook jail over B I H H H, and and in in regards to a whole lot of fucking gang shit, you got to find more creative ways. I. Look, I started spelling it B-I-S-H. Bish. I mean, you can spell it backwards. That also works. But uh, our, late, our latest, uh, our, our latest yeah, guilty verdict uh, was has been handed down with, via gavel with no trial to Dog Wonder. Space Los, coast to coast. A.K.A. Logo, 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 Logo Los, Lostradamus, Hairline Los. <laughs> Crispy, <laughs> yo. Excuse me, I, excuse me. I'd like my shit fried hard, please. Hold, hold your head, fam. We, we'll be here when you. And I got, I got money in your commissary, man. I just sent you. I just sent you a couple microphones. That's how it's happening. Uh, we we'll put, we'll put some on your phones. Don't worry about it. The, normally, we're, we kick off like we're like when we're talking. We already have the music going. There's a reason why I haven't had anything going yet. Uh, Tell them what you need them to know. We we about to talk some money, and there's only one way that we can talk money. (laughs) 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 He got the ball. Oh man, broken pencil money. This is broken pencil money. 
yes. This is yes. broken prince of money. Swap a danger, hit that broken prince of money. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole yeah. it's a whole lot of paper on the table right now, bro. But I thought you was gonna play some crime time for the homie JTG and rest in peace, Shad Gaspar. Nah, money, nah. money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm on Logo Losis hit. I'm on Logo Losis case until we shoot a video for Bougie Pursuits because that verse <laughs> cannot go unrecognized. <laughs> we got we got too busy. Like that's a it's a hat trick of stuff that has never happened since, and it's the only time it's ever happened in history. Well, what are we talking me, about? Los and J, me, Los and J Rose and WAP 100. What, what are we talking oh, not about? Wa- not WAP 100. You know, do that. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that old winning Mex lime wire shit. <laughs> you, you, you gonna find my? You, you gonna get some get some extraneous downloads? <laughs> like WAP 100 is not on this record rapid. Wait, what? That, I never. No, he's not. Th- uh, no, no, no. He's not on, the, he's not on this record. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. That's that's like looking for the world heavyweight champion on Shotters because there's it says Mike Tyson. <laughs> Is, uh, is in the movie but apparently it was somebody named Mike Tyson not Iron Mike Tyson so there's that nah this is Mike Tyson from the gas station <laughs> <laughs> yo uh why why we why how, ru- we- how ru- how ru- wait how rough must that be to have a name like that and then do like some regular shit that's what happened to Vivica Fox there was Vivica Fox and Vivica A Fox like, there was two of them like first of all who who? Why we got two Vivicas in this world? Let's talk about that. <laughs> I mean, it happens sometimes. You just roll a dice, but like every Michael Jordan in the world, except for maybe two, gotta feel like a complete just. How do you live up to that? And one of those two is B. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, emphasis on the B. No, no, no gang banging. <laughs> Yo, uh, <laughs> Oos gang, what up? Shouts out to um, the the Mr. Bag himself, Pat McAfee. When we, when God, man, I, I don't. I, when you hear price just went up, price just went up, price, 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 price just went up. Yeah, that's Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee secured a thirty. Hold on, let me let me let me put some stank on this. Some a thirty million dollar bag. When you make that much, it's thirty. Thirty million dollar bag. You feel me? Per year, with the option for a fourth year. So we going into three years at thirty million. Let me put this in perspective for you people. And Pat McAfee's. Famed, but not so illustrious NFL career, he amassed less money than he's about to make in the next year because of FanDuel, of all people. FanDuel. He's one of the only punters I can say as a football player. Because there's a rule if you've ever played contact football, punters are not football players. <laughs> like, they're, they are the only position on the field ever that is protected more than a quarterback. You're protected before the play, during, during the, play, the play, after, the, after play. the play. And the only thing that you have to do, that you have to do, is get the fuck out of the way. You are not allowed to be touched while you are performing your one function during a football game. Now, in the event that he does a punt, 
and something's coming back his way and they break the the other 10 people in front of him he is the last line of defense pat mcafee is one of those people that wanted to get they used to want to get active right now if you turn <laughs> if you if you tuck the ball and turn into a runner runner you're fair game um if you pick the if tuck and then assume a throwing motion you are then fair game but other than that if you're just kicking the ball you're you're literally untouchable man 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 pat mcafee is the 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 antithesis of what i think of punters and quarterbacks and he also is the antithesis of what you would see from athletes turned broadcasters as he has easily the most charisma out of anybody to ever grace a microphone saying Shaquille O'Neal. And not and not a bad talent in the ring either. Nah, he's undefeated, isn't he? He is. Wait. No, no, he won his, he no, won his, no, he he won his first defeated. match. He won his first match. He, wait, what was his first match versus Adam Cole? Yeah. He lost that. Didn't he? Yeah. For some he reason. Put a, he put on a hell of a performance, but yeah, he lost that. Trained oh. by Rip Rogers, too. <laughs> the hustler. <laughs> the hustler, Rip Rogers. Shouts out to Rip Rogers. So I, so I would like to officially stamp Pat McAfee as having fuck you money. <laughs> Ooh, yes, sir. He can literally walk into a room and tell anybody fuck you and be comfortable in his decision. Including the people with which he works for and with on Friday nights. Including Stanford. If he wanted to go left field on Friday night SmackDown on Fox live, what you gonna do? Nothing, because his bag still. Either way, the casino stays open. To quote the to quote the Dallas philosopher Big Tuck, not a damn stain on me. <laughs> what I'm saying, yo. As we keep moving, for real, t- for real shit. More more Baggington, more Baggington Securitas. There was a picture floating around of one Dwayne the Rock Johnson with Nick Khan. Good old Saint Nick. And the Machka Khan, Nick Khan's sister. Right. Apparently, Rocky has been knowing the, this Khan family the majority of his life as they used to run around Hawaii together while Rock's grandmother would be promoting wrestling events with the high chief Peter Maivia. Dwayne. No Hillman. <laughs> Listen, Dwayne, Nick Khan, Namaskar Khan, Dwayne Johnson. Yes, not in now, the same building at the same time. Explain the function of the one person we're not familiar with, because this is important. Are you talking about uh, Namaskar Khan? Yes, she is a showrunner and has been heralded as not being a showrunner but being. The, the showrunner. She's also the creator of the TV show Young Rock. Understand the person that you're seeing that we're talking about here. The person that we're talking about is the the brainchild mm-hmm. of the on-screen semi-biographical account of the Rock's life, who happens to be the sister of the WWE president. So the WWE president, Peacock, NBC, and The Rock are all tied together. So 
This is new news to me. I did not know that they were all childhood chums. And we've been seeing a lot of unloading uh, as far as WWE talent is concerned. Some people would consider it dead weight, old contracts, old money. It's a lot of shaving going on, like shaving a haircut time. Two bits. You feel me? So recently there's been a story that is circulated um, that WWE is going to go away from their old payment model. They will no longer be cutting separate checks for merchandise sales. They will strictly be paying a salary to talent. Now, um, the way I read this, it would be like, well, talent who doesn't really get used as much, but they're on the main roster. That's It's good for them because they're guaranteed money, but like for your top earners who would earn a massive amount of money, and then an additional check for merchandise. Your 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 loyalty to the brand, your loyalty to or your work that your body of work means means nothing. Uh, uh, apparently, we're not saying this is what happened, but apparently that's how this is reading. But until I see more, like it's like on the surface, you take away the incentive to help get your merchandise over. Because it's like, okay, I'm not gonna make any extra off this. So, I mean, why why pitch my concept for dope merchandise that I know that will sell when I'm not going to get an extra cutoff of it? And I can't go to like uh, Pro Wrestling Tees or any, you feel any, me? any like, outside I, I shop. Might as, I might as well save those ideas for the eventual cut. Now, let me ask you and this. And then, then open a Pro Wrestling Tees store. Let me ask you Shopify. this. How, how, how did we go from... McAfee to the cons and rock to t-shirts because wait wait hold on before 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 you give me the because let me let me put a little carrot in the air what happened the last time rock went out in public with somebody from his from his past he bought the xfl <laughs> he was with his ex-wife and bought a damn football league which is exactly <laughs> why we're talking about this <laughs> everyone's been speculating about is the WWE going to be sold? Who could it be sold to? Who are your potential buyers? Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's the me. new front runner. <laughs> Hi, it's as, me. It's bag. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The new front runner as, as far as the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and radio show infused with hip hop is concerned. The Rock as the, as the leader or the lead face of an investment group similar to what bought the XFL is now the front runner to us. <laughs> you tied in with the guy who's making all the moves and budget cuts right now. Per some, per some reports that we've already discussed on previous episodes, Nick Khan is the guy slated to replace Vincent Kennedy McMahon when you know that inevitable day comes. Not a McMahon. All right, not a McMahon. Now, look, real life logic says it's Stephanie's situation to turn down. Now, she may say, I don't want the head role simply because, you know, she's she's engulfed in being a wife and mother and she may feel satisfied and want to concentrate on that. Totally. I totally understand it. Totally fine. And, and let's be honest, too. Vince's role is a lot. Vince, Vince has been documented as only missing maybe a handful of TV over the last 25, 30 years. Right. Right. 
and being at both Raw and SmackDown and now to some degree, whether it's teleconference or whether it's actually in person in Orlando for um, for Tuesdays, there's no way Stephanie can, t- can continue to grow the brand and be Vince. Yeah, like you're going to have to delegate responsibility. And, and then that kind of has... Um, it brings up a conversation about who you delegate that responsibility to. We've already speculated about, you know, who's going to be let go as soon as Vince lets go. Let me ask you this, contract-wise, okay. for for on the talent side. So we're talking about these these newer these newer contrived contracts. Will they start immediately, or will this, will this be effective for the new talent, or or upon a reup of a of a contract? Or do, I feel or do like you know? I need to I need to check this out because you have current deals that are still running. Those are going to have to expire be, before it come becomes a company wide thing. Expire I'm, and be fulfilled based on the terminology of said contract. Would you agree? Absolutely. Okay. As long as we're on the same page with that. Here here's my uh, here's yeah, my the, question. The, con- the, the contract is going to have to be uh, fulfilled and settled on on both sides. Like you're going to have to. You know, there may be a percentage on how many days you have to fulfill or hell because it, it suits WWE so much better. They just say, well, fuck it. You know, we're at the end of the time period. You're going to you're going to lapse. You're going to roll over into this new shit. We're, we're in number. We're in year number 22 of Smackdown. We're in year 20 going into year number 28. No, 29 of Monday Night Raw. Don't sell it short. Um. Do we is, is when these contracts run out and the NXT 2.0 cast starts to make their way to Raw and SmackDown? That's who's going to be dealing with this shit. Like those are the people. Everybody who gets signed now, and then potentially you know these NIL kids, they're the ones who are, who this is going to be about. Do we do we see? A WWE that's damn near unrecognizable in five years because I, I don't think anybody has a contract right now that's outstanding more than five years or even even five years. So I'm being I'm being really generous by saying five years from now, none of this shit matters. You you give it enough time for contracts to expire, people to be released or re up and all that different stuff. But yeah, I think this is supposedly going into effect at the top of the year. I have to find the article because I don't want to misquote anything. I really, I really hope we can get to the bottom of this in a reasonable amount of time. I, I'm, we're, I, we're, we love money. Obviously, we that money, money, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like you have to be in love with money in order to do any type of business, no matter what it is. Um, you can say you do it for the love, but hell, I love money, so I, you can say I am doing it for the love. That said. I take it a step further. I don't necessarily love money. I love what money can do. There we go. Money, money's a money. Money is a concept. We're we're literally putting our our uh, all of our heads, all of our eggs in a basket of an ideal based on some something that's on paper, right? So it's like like currency, like that's what we use here. And in, in prison, they use cigarettes and stamps, whatever the case may be. Whatever your poison is, yes, I totally agree. I love what money can do for me. Don't really care about the money. So that, thank you for helping me rephrase that. That said, we have a lot of this to dig up and we hopefully we'll have some more for you in 2022 on this because the, the contracts being exposed 
is going to be something that we I think we're going to see a lot more of, especially with the dissolution of ROH and the reemergence of ROH coming April 2022. Um we don't know about what's going on with MLW. MLW is being a little bit more transparent to the public with their contract situations. Um, AEW still hasn't released anything money wise. They just say that they're tears. <laughs> I mean, you can draw your own tears. You can draw your own conclusions of what that means. But the fact that they have five different programs right now, like that, should tell you everything. Right. <laughs> so I, I found I found the social media post, but not the article. So apparently. This um, there's no there's no more extra money for merch. There's no extra money for working house shows, and no extra money whoa, for. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. wait, However, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you this shit get deep. So there's no more money for merch. No more extra money for house shows. No more extra money for pay per views. However, the guaranteed money that talent earns is now higher than ever. So we're almost in, at a situation where we're moving into pro sports type contracts. So are they robbing Paul to steal from Peter? Yes. Because hmm. then on top of that, you know, the whole Twitch thing and the whole social media and getting outside endorsements, that's over with. Because they, they, they cut that off already. So it's worse than a professional athlete's contract because a professional athlete can earn supplemental income off their name and likeness because they they're they are who they are right they just can't wear the team uniform okay or you'd be like Shaq where like you can wear <laughs> you can wear your number but I forgot is it maybe not your name or something it's some it's some combination as to how you can get away with it but you've seen Shaq in the icy hot commercial yes but yeah she's <laughs> about to get she's about to get deep hey remember tap out yeah me neither <laughs> You see what I'm saying? <laughs> that partnership didn't last very long. So, like, you're going to see more Pizza Hut and people like throwing pizzas into the crowd and uh, Snickers. And you'll see all of the big brand endorsements because WWE's big business. But it's you're not going to see the... The notoriety is going to come from the people who are placed in those positions and they won't see any additional money because of it. Right. You wouldn't see Roman Reigns get a Nike deal, which I know absolutely would be possible. Any any gang, and, any shoe gang deal. You uh, Under Armour. Under Armour will be built, bro. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like the same way Dana White transformed the UFC to be a Reebok entity is the same way Under Armour can be infused into WWE because of one person, Dwayne Johnson. If if Dwayne is anywhere near it, then you got a really <laughs> good shot at it. Man, but the but they're streamlining the money end of WWE right now. Like, I don't. It's gonna look different in five years, but we may we we're probably gonna be able to live to see a time where WWE is not a destination spot to work for people, you know, in the industry. <laughs> like you know, you know how like people are like I, I want a main event WrestleMania. That's why I got into wrestling. Yep. You may not see that anymore, bro. Because you're you're taking kids from college that don't have a wrestling background and may have only watched a little bit during their teenage years. Do do they have? And that's the thing. Like, are you signing them because they're okay with taking a bag? And do they really have a genuine interest in becoming professional wrestlers? Because you haven't put anybody through a boot camp to say or a combine 
Speaking no. of, speaking of, remember the combine that came on the, the network a couple of years ago? Sure do. Why why haven't we seen more of those? If you got this next in line program, like have they gone through a combine? And if they have, why haven't we seen that combine? Like they shouldn't that shouldn't be anything that should be left unturned. Hell, we've got heels on TV now. Cause cause that was a test for content. Like with some of like, okay. With the group that we watched, those are all people who made a conscious decision to become professional wrestlers. They They were already made anyway. It wasn't like it wasn't like they, they, we got people that weren't already signed. These people just went through this for a skills challenge. Bianca, Bianca Belair had no damn business on that damn combine. She made it interesting, but she had no business being in there. It it was it helped her because it made her look like more of a superior athlete. It was Which like, she okay, is. <laughs> exactly. It put on display that she was a superior athlete. Same with Montez Ford. Omos was in that same, um, same combine. Riddick Moss was there. Um... You name it. If you saw them on NXT while it was still black and gold, chances are they were at and participated in that combine. Man. With kids coming over from NCAA who, like I, like we say, may or may not be wrestling fans, may or may not have the, the prior knowledge or the prior desire to be professional wrestlers, you can do, the, you can do it. I can see them bringing it back, but... Their learning curve is a lot different. Like previously, you had people in that combine who might have actually wrestled before, and they're just getting their shot in WWE. Going forward, you're gonna have people that have never taken a bump before. That's see, and that's what I think has happened right now with this next in line. I mean, of course, who who am I to be one to judge anything? But like the, the the twin sisters that's out west, I don't think they've ever taken a bump. And who's to say that they're even interested in being professional wrestlers unless unless WWE is going a different route with sports management, which also very well could be a possibility. And speaking of, shout out who, who's involved because of Nicholas and Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we're witnessing a coup. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of that going on here. Like, let's talk about what's happening in NCAA for a brief second. Bruh. Travis Collins, number one standout defensive player in, or number one player in the country as mm-hmm. of two nights ago. Signed to Florida State. Decommits to Florida State to sign with Jackson State University. Why? Because arguably the greatest corner to ever come out of J- uh, Florida State University is the head coach of Jackson State University, which just happens to be a HBCU, Historically Black College and University. That's not arguable. He is the greatest corner to ever come out of Florida State. He may be the greatest cornerback in the history of defensive backs. Like, let's be real about this. Matter of fact, I would vote him on a list as the greatest defensive back ever because he's played multiple positions how long he played and how dominant he was while he was playing. Anybody else you put in the conversation was probably playing before I was born. <laughs> a lot of people are, are arguing that the, the cornerback position is uh, is akin to the linebacker because it's a part of the secondary, the defensive secondary. And uh, which to me, I think linebacker is part of the primary, but that's just me calling it. Um, Front, front seven and you know back of house yeah yeah you know that's you know that's how I see it but um, the pay is much different the further away from the line of scrimmage you are yes. except for pass rushers 
Yeah, and I mean, and Michael Parsons is single handedly going to change that. Anyway, it's another Bruh. conversation. <laughs> That's another conversation. I want to see when he they have to negotiate that. Hey, Jerry, pay him now. That way you ain't got to worry about it. Yeah. Pay him now. Yeah, talk talk to Zeke because uh, Zeke going to come off some of that. Um, now, nah, dude, <laughs> nah, nah, it ain't it ain't Zeke the one that's got to kick back in. You know who got the most money? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Out of that 2016 yeah, class, yeah. that's who wanted to kick back some. Yeah, that's Dakota, <laughs> Rain Dakota. Look here. All right, so uh, all that happens in Florida State within the last few days, right? Yeah. So his stock goes from number one in the country to number two in the country. We see you with your looking ass. We know what you're doing. But this goes in part with this next in line. So does WWE come in with the NIL or is there another NIL that he's going to qualify for just to get this bread? I'm sure he it will. We say that to say this. While we were talking about the Nick Khan, Dwayne Johnson situation, Suave sends me a text message. I click on the text message and here it is. Mr. TB12 himself, Tom Brady. Quote. I am proud to partner with this lineup of NCAA and newly drafted athletes for his for the first Brady campaign. These hardworking and driven players embody the spirit and ethos. Oh, I'm sorry. An eth- is it, oh, an, eth- an ethos in which the brand is founded. From my fellow Michigan men, Kate McNamara and Andrew Fetney to Shador Sanders and Jermaine Samuels and more. Sh- I'm a- Shador Sanders, son of Deion Sanders and quarterback of Jackson State University. <laughs> I, I was getting there. You, <laughs> let me finish the quote. <laughs> and nah, Jermaine, fuck all that. The people need to know. And Jermaine Samuels and more. I'm excited for, for the world to see the uh, uh, world to first see Brady on the next generation of superstars. Brady is taking pages from his own book, from the Colin Kaepernick book, from the Nike book, from even his wife's book, Giselle Bunsen. Or Brunson, whatever her name is, Giselle, <laughs> Giselle Brady, we call her that, um, for this campaign, this marketing campaign for these young men, and as you said, Shador Sanders, son of the same one we're talking about, Deion Sanders. You got Tom Brady backing this man, and, and like you now you, you have, have Tom, Tom Brady. Brady out here about to pull off. Let, go ahead, man. You got Tom Brady out here about you got Tom Brady out here about to pull off some really really remarkable shit. Here's what's even crazier. With something like this happening, can you imagine the impact of this to the XFL? You actually gonna, you actually uh, can get star power. Mhm. The so now the NFL isn't now obviously the XFL has to exhibit some consistent uh presence and success, but we are again, five-year plan. We're moving and we might be moving into a season where the NFL has to start handling themselves different because they're not the only game in town in terms of where people want to go. Some people may not like the way the NFL does business and say, you know what? To hell with you. I'm going to go play over here. Man. <laughs> and it's, it's very possible because you could have one. You could have one of these kids that's making these decisions right now. Say, you know what? I don't want to go to the NFL. I want to go to a black-owned league. I want to go somewhere <laughs> with, with more freedom and and better, you know, better litigation, uh, better arbitration situation. You're you're being you're being very uh, very objective in that. No, you got some people that's going to be like, I want to go play for a black-owned league. Right. I, I, <laughs> this 
this is true. I didn't want to. I didn't want to take it all the way to lowest common denominator or just use that. Because there's going to be other kids of other ethnic backgrounds who are going to say fuck the NFL too. But for the most part, yeah, that's that's who we're talking about. And those same people that are like super, super angry and burning Deion Sanders, Florida State memorabilia and effigy. Those are the kind of people that are going to absolutely hate everything that goes on with the XFL because they feel like it's a threat to how they have conducted themselves for eons man <laughs> them days over fam do you realize people are buying imaginary real estate bro did, did we did, did we have the conversation on this show or was this it's off the record because i don't it might that might have been the canceled episode with uh with with carlos yeah that was logo loss that's that's yeah they'll hear it soon enough but that was all that was, uh, yeah 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 we don't want to beat that horse too bad because uh you, yeah. y'all gonna learn you real gonna figure soon. it out but yeah that's the world is changing is, is the whole whole idea money moves is gonna be gonna be the name of this show i make money move like cardi <laughs> b okay once ahead upon of a time, time back, once upon a time back when i was doing doing radio shout out to, to rockunation.com what up shay you feel me so once upon a time during Dirty Rotten Radio, before it was campaign radio, I made the statement and I said it in jest, but I was also very serious. I said, I said, Waka Flocka is the future. <laughs> and if you follow his his career path and the different things he's done, is I was absolutely correct. <laughs> Allow me to tell you now that Cardi B is the wave of the future making money moves is going to be the new getting on social media the way you wake up in the morning and open your favorite social media app and check your messages and see if people don't like stuff and all that money moves are going to become that simple <laughs> this is oh man i don't even understand the, this this type of this type of paradigm shift while we're in we're we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Understand me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you let too, you let too many smart people sit at home. You let entirely too many smart people sit at home with nothing to do other than think and create. And now they have created a whole new world that technically doesn't exist, but now costs real money to live in. Man. <laughs> and speaking of pandemic and things that don't exist and real money all this type of stuff when this show ended last week we talked about the well-being and being concerned for such for one Jeffrey Nero Hardy as the week went on we went to Twitter shout out Matt Hardy brand to which Matt Hardy has been the a, a stalwart, a uh, a trendsetter in the world of social media before things like Twitter, while Facebook was getting the, its uh, its national push. He was using YouTube to his advantage post buy from Google. Matt Hardy had left WWE and had gone to ROH. It was doing indie shows again. And we saw this Matt Hardy with a cameo from a very jovial, 
very relaxed, very healthy looking Jeff Hardy. Not even two weeks after a quote unquote bad weekend. Suave, I have but one question for you. Shoot. Have we just seen one of the biggest talent coups in the history of professional wrestling because of social media? It is quite possible. Now, allow me to preface whatever I'm about to do going forward with this this statement. If what we assume to be true is true, it is pure genius and also lame as fuck. And some people listening to this, you know, may feel one way or another. Let let let's unpack why it's pure genius, and also why it is lame as fuck. The the genius lies in the fact that in less than ninety days, you could get the reunited Hardy Boys in another organization with potentially another tag title run, which puts them higher in the argument for greatest tag team of all time. You can stat pad your legacy, work less dates, make comparable money, and be with your family. So you got more more days at home with your kids and your wife. You're working with your brother again, where you've had the most success by far overall. Now you've been a success on your own separately, but at times you've been your own worst enemy. You probably should be even more famous. But to obviously Tony Khan's gonna put you in a certain tier because you have, you still have name value and you can still perform. Working less dates is gonna work better for your physical because you're not gonna be taking as many bumps and certainly, you know, not working as often. Because let, let's be honest, you're probably gonna get Hardys and Young Bucks and then maybe Hardy Hardys and Lucha Brothers after that I mean yeah FTR but that's not as much of a hype thing that's more like for us like we would see it we would want to see that just to see FTR go, go hard man um, same thing with the Briscoes more so to see I, I'm gonna watch the Hardys versus Briscoes to see the Hardys get their ass kicked Cause that's the type of wrestling I like. I like when wrestlers fight. But <laughs> for all these reasons, it's pure genius. Absolutely, 100% pure genius. You own your name and likeness. You can be Jeff Hardy wherever you want to go. The part about it that makes it lame is that to pull off this pure genius move, you have leveraged your past, present, and future addiction issues. <laughs> Which is some creep shit. I mean, let me, let me, I don't even want to call this being playing devil's advocate because, like, if he leveraged that in a match, suck a shit, no doubt. But if he indeed just had a bad week, like for instance, I haven't been able to sleep properly in probably three weeks. I don't understand what the hell is going on. Maybe I need to see a specialist, but I haven't been able to sleep good in about three weeks. If he had a bad weekend, it's possible that he was traveling, had insomnia, couldn't sleep. And that's the equivalent, as they say, of driving drunk. 
So saying that you had a bad weekend is very ambiguous. If he indeed had a bad weekend and one assumed that he needed uh, substance abuse treatment, I'd be upset too and tell you, no, I've just had a bad weekend. It, I'll be all right. No, but- I, I get, I get that part totally, one hundred percent. And if it, and if that's what happened, if it was a physical issue that manifested itself, and they decided to try to send you to rehab, and you denied, you know, just no, I'm not, I'm not using. Been cool, totally absolved from everything I said. Then this is just pure genius and nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's and it's a it's a big oof on, on Stanford's part. Yeah, because there's a whole lot of things you could have did like that. I could drop piss. Like, like what's happening? <laughs> right. But here's 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 the thing. We're not that far removed from the last Jeff Hardy slip up. So there's a pattern here. We we have enough evidence as onlookers of this situation to know that okay. Jeff's Jeff's runs as clean are just as frequent as his runs as dirty. Not so clean. <laughs> Sting 2011 there, TNA. There is balance within this. There there is there's a there's almost a split down the middle pie chart. We 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 should actually call that counterbalance. <laughs> Either or. <laughs> so, if it's a physical issue and you just wandered out into the crowd, no, that doesn't seem no, like what something, you would do. Like, no, if there something, was a physical issue, there would be an X thrown up and somebody would come see about yeah, it. Yeah, some, something led him to leave the premises. And I don't think it was Again. a referee call. because I mean, because he was in the ring for seven minutes. Again, all stuff that, that you know, kind of pushes itself to believe that there's an issue. And his prior, his, like I said, leveraging your past, present, and future addiction issues. He's had it before, uh, even in the recent past. So in that particular situation, WWE has to be responsible because you can't have, you can't have people that have filmed what happened at that house show and then it hit YouTube and then you don't try to offer him rehab and then two weeks later you find him in a hotel room. Right. I know that sounds fucking morbid, but like, let's keep it real. It's the same thing that happened with Kurt Angle because it was like, look, you need help. He said no, he got released, and then the legend of Perk Angle is what it is. I mean, we we we've also seen, you know, not to bring up the 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 the, the bad, but two notables, um, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, also Eddie Guerrero, like those are the most probably the most popular. And then when Eddie, Eddie Guerrero, uh, it was it wasn't drug use. It was you know a heart. Condition. It was in enlar- It was an enlarged heart, but that was also because it was uh, side effects or after effects from uh from what could have been enhancement uh, materials. The, the these things are all on the table. Yes. And then with Kurt Henning, he was no longer uh, employed with WWE when he passed. But yes, you know, if you're if you're synonymous with dropping H bombs, then. Come on, fam. Like, right. So with Hardy being able to pull this off, um, like I say, it is pure genius. It's also lame to to leverage, you know, addiction issues. That's just that's creepy to me. Yeah, I we, I really hope that that's not the behavior that that caused this. Because I mean, now the the respect level goes way down. Your stock goes way down. Meanwhile, he's still gonna collect a huge fucking bag for it. Yeah, yeah. Your your, your stock as a human being is a little tainted. 
Now, because people have a soft spot, and (laughs) this is going to sound fucked up, but this is junkie behavior. People have soft spots for junkies that they love. Your uncle. (laughs) Not not your uncle, but everybody everybody has that uncle. Has an uncle, an aunt, a sister, a cousin, somebody. You have somebody that struggles with something, and you will not abandon them because of the love you have for them, but, you know in a reality based thinking it's like this is what it is so that being what it is there are a lot of people who are sympathetic and just say you know whatever Jeff wants to do to be happy whether it's voiding a contract lying manipulating whatever it is but that let's keep it real that, that's 100% junkie behavior Yep. tell mama he done smoked the TV <laughs> now in the interest of fairness I don't feel sorry for WWE worth the shit. You know why? Because they have leveraged his past, present, and future addiction issues on camera as part of storylines. Bro. So I don't care how they feel or how they're affected. I'm looking at it from the perspective of you're a grown man who entered a contract knowing what you were signing up for. You may not remember this, but there was a point in time where they tried to play on CM Punk's uh, straight edge and mm-hmm. had somebody trying to lace his bottle with alcohol. You do remember that shit, don't you? Me? Yeah. Remember what? <laughs> that was I was a lead-in for this whole conversation, though, for the CM Punk shit when they tried to lace his bottle, water bottle with alcohol. And no, I remember when Chris Jericho poured a, a faux bottle of Jack Daniels down his face. Right. <laughs> Which I'm sure was like sweet tea or unsweetened tea, but still. Right. I mean, that that's just tasteless because that, that's whole, that whole shit went away the next week. It's the same shit we were talking about with, um, with like Charlotte Flair. Like if the breakup is real, you'll hear it because they only pick it open wounds. Right. So, <laughs> You, you have a conversation with them. You tell them the shit you don't do, and that's the shit you're going to end up doing. And you know what's even crazier about you saying that about Charlotte? She's got the wrong Huckleberry right now in, uh, in fucking Becky. If anybody's willing to pull that, pull that trigger and, 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 like, you know what? I'll take one for the team. Like, it's her. But but she she's dancing with um, Tony Storm right now anyway, right? Yeah. So that'll probably be the match for day one. Like this is just a fucking throwaway. This shit is a uh, the whole pay per view is uh, an extended episode. It's a combined episode of SmackDown and Raw. Like there's no there's no real reason to tune into this other than the fact that on New Year's Day ain't shit else on. Mm-hmm. So the whole issue like with Hardy is the fact that you as a grown man responsible for your own wife and children entered into a contract knowing what that place is like you're not new this isn't some big free agent signing this isn't your first tour of duty you re-signed after your brother left you're like 25 years deep into the game right no one forced you to do this you signed a new five-year deal with the idea that at some point you wanted to have a reign as universal champion and this is out of his mouth I get it, but again, our new thing here, the best ability is what? Availability. What is the second best ability? Reliability. You can be available. Well, hell, you have the time you can't be available because 
the whole thing with Karrion Cross blew up because you know you were out here being <laughs> reckless again like what I, the fuck I, I hear vibrating at low levels you know what I'm saying like let's keep it real that whole thing went to shit because you got out here and did something and then Keith Lee took your ass kicking <laughs> so you threw somebody else under the bus oh man shout out to the great goat cat dog Keith Lee <laughs> you feel what I'm saying like but you you signed that contract knowing what was going on you took that money you knew what it was so for you to leverage your addiction issues past present and future to get out of that deal so you can go play with the band again that is that's some junky behavior fam one now, one like course, Eddie, 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 that's Eddie King shit one you more time. <laughs> you want you want my spot flash? <laughs> well, you can't have it because you ain't got it. Oh man! Nights like this, I feel like raindrops could. Fall. Man, <laughs> I feel like going on. Yeah, you you could, but we. I mean, this is this is a show where we still got. No, more. I was talking about, I was talking about Eddie Kane. I'm oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We still got more more inf- more info yeah, though. I, I don't feel sorry for nobody involved going forward for what happens. <laughs> WWE basically they covered their ass from a corporate aspect, but you're not your hands aren't clean because you've been leveraging his his addiction issues. He I, he found his way out of a contract, like I said, pure genius. But to leverage leverage your addiction issues as the way to get out it's lame as fuck to me yeah <laughs> and that's it <laughs> i wish them all the best in their future endeavors as long as it's entertaining me yeah that and that and just for the record uh what's the next aew pay-per-view we do this every show i don't know why we do this i don't i don't know i don't i don't i don't know <laughs> i haven't learned their pay-per-view schedule yet like i'm not indoctrinated uh which is crazy because like they only have six <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, they, <laughs> is it six? I thought they only did quarterly. I think I think they do six pay per views a year. So I know they have all or all, all out all double out. or double. Sorry, let's start from the beginning in May. Double or nothing, all out. Uh, the next one's Revolution, by the way. Um, yeah. And then you come back full gear, full gear. Like I think. So, so that says it's four four actual pay per views. And then there's going to be some crap called New Year's Smash that's going to happen at Daly's Place. Winter- that's just when they start naming stuff and, and like doing like Clash of the Champions. They just do shows that are one-offs. Yeah, Winter is Coming is, is starting to be like a Clash of Champions. But, uh, oh, fun- funny. Oh, there's also a St. Patrick's Day Slam at, uh, at Daly's Place, too. But funny, I mentioned um, uh, Winter is Coming. Winter is coming. So, actually, took place this week here in uh, in Garland, Texas. They keep saying Dallas. It was Garland. Damn it! It's, it's Dallas adjacent, and it's not an arena. <laughs> it's, it's a step above a rec center. Barely. Like you saw a chandelier hanging. That like that was that's part of the set. Well, that's not part of the set design. That's part of the actual uh, the, the building. Okay, like, peep this. It's the place you would go to, like if there was a what. 3A basketball state championship game. You're putting you putting way too much stink on it. I'm thinking I said 3A. I'm thinking a 3A or a 2A high school graduation. Okay, that too. <laughs> <laughs> I was tr- I was trying not to make it seem like it was just a dump because it's not a dump, but it's a it's a multi-purpose use 
center type. I've seen arena football played in that same place. Which is why I'm like, how in the hell did they charge what they charge for people to get in here? Because <laughs> people pay for it. Remember the first time they had uh, uh, a, a AEW event? Was it was it also Winter is Coming? No, the first time was just their first trip here. That's when we uh, that's when we met um, <laughs> Jericho. I, yeah, I know. I was gonna call him one of Cornette's pet names, but no. That's, that's, <laughs> he he was he was he was gracious with us. So, yes, mu- okay. very very much so, and appreciative. Oh, um, but but them front row seats was nine hundo. Yeah, yeah, like you kiss my ass, man. That's suck me. We we sideways. Like, we like money, but come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like receiving money, and uh, we had this conversation earlier via text on something else. I don't mind paying for shit. I want, but if I'm gonna spend premium premium money, I want premium shit. So, winter's coming was this past Wednesday. Yup. First and foremost, and before we talk about the Broadway that was, you to, to anybody listening to this backstage AEW, you don't have to have MJF out every week because. This back and forth between he and CM Punk, he's obviously murdering CM Punk on the mic. It's hard to find anybody right now that can get Maxwell Jacob Friedman out of his microphone bag on your monkey you, ass. You have to play the long game with this, though, because there's going to be people that listen to this show and say, fuck that CM Punk has had better interviews. You have to look at this in its totality. Either, it, e- either way... These are disc records going back and forth, yeah, basically. Yeah, either way, like you don't have to have him out every week. Like it is unnecessary to have him out every week. In fact, his value goes up when he's not on TV. I'm gonna differ slightly. Oh, please. Only because you we've seen with AEW, they'll put people on television, they'll have a smidge of momentum, and then they will fucking disappear. When's, you know, like, when's the last time you saw Sammy Guevara and cared? Uh, it's been about a month. No, notice I had the caveat and cared. Yeah. When's the last time you saw the pinnacle all together? Uh, back in the summer at the pay-per-view. You see what I'm saying? Like they'll start some shit that has potential and then abandon it with no real explanation as to why. So I'm cool with seeing... A- MJF every week maybe we can start to like okay like the the interview he did after the Darby Allen match we need more stuff like that some pre-tapes right this hat because him talking is money he doesn't have to do it on a live mic with a live crowd all the time sometimes he can do a pre-tape or something but do not take him off television <laughs> I'm sick of seeing that shit. Okay, when's the last time you saw the entire inner circle together and cared? Uh, the same time we saw the pinnacle together and cared. When's the last time Proud and Powerful had a had a match? They're actually going to be on Rampage this week, but they're going to be in an eight man tag. Before now, or is it a ten man tag? I don't know. I mean, it's you, been. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. They're in a. They're in with a whole bunch of other people, but like they are tag team championship competitors you know contenders if the if any of them exist but when you don't see them wrestle on a regular basis jay lethal went from tnt title match to a fucking battle royal <laughs> dream match jay ain't supposed to be doing this dream match jay also put on a mac classic with uh, jonathan gresham at roh final battle exactly we'll, we'll, my talk, point. we'll talk about that here in a second too dream match jay ain't supposed to be doing random stuff like this 
But hell, at this point, I'm like, well, shit, he's getting on TV. So, when's the last time you seen Miro? Now, Miro he, might be hey, he's hurt. hurt. I think I think he's hurt. Still, yeah. You get my point, right? I mean, there, there should at least be a redeemer promo. We saw plenty Lance Archer shit with Jake Roberts before. Uh, That's who I I ain't seen nothing that not even a medical update. Yeah, I, I got a feeling that we'll see him after the top of the year. We might even see him at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Just I don't know. I just you know, wishful thinking says the that fo- the follow up for Eddie Kingston. Like I I really feel like they should be giving him more, but I have to be just satisfied that they didn't take him off TV completely. Well, he kind of on the last promo he cut on uh, Dynamite this Wednesday, he was basically saying that you know Mox is still gone, which is a little it's a it's a caveat to an Easter egg, basically saying that when Mox gets back, it's business as usual. Hopefully, that's the case. However, what, what, what is what is business as usual? Get that there it is. Because <laughs> they were a tag team, then they weren't, but they kick it together, and you might see them together one week, the next week maybe not. Then Mox is in the tournament, and he ain't said shit about Eddie Kingston, and then Kingston go off, start beefing with CM Punk, which I, I get it, you're keeping everything fresh or whatever, but. Those two as a tag team was you were gonna be able to print money. That entrance by itself prints money. <laughs> we got tag belts that need to be circulated. And if we're not gonna put them on FTR, it's time to shuffle that shit out. Like Lucha Brothers have, have been fine, but if you're not gonna give them consistent different opponents to showcase this title reign, get that shit off of them. Already. Now uh, before we get back in, oh, we were talking about the uh, uh, winter is coming. The yep. top, the top of the show. They started the show with Brian Danielson versus Cow- Cowboy shit. I almost called him James Storm, <laughs> Adam Page, <laughs> Hangman Adam Page. Uh, I was just watching the match because Brian Danielson was going the fuck off. He was trying to maim. Adam Page throughout this match it was a thorough ass kicking and lo and behold we got a Broadway out of these two a time limit draw one fall 60 minute time limit the match went the entire time limit this one and and is it me is it me or did we see more blood from Hangman Page than we saw sweat from both of them Probably, bro. The conditioning for these guys out of control. If you are an aspiring wrestler, if you're an aspire, if you're an aspiring athlete, you should watch this match just to learn how to check your cadence and breathing. This was amazing cardio between both of these guys, and another. I'll go out there and say it. Add another one to the match of the year candidacy with this one right here man How, what, what was your take on the match man because it was it was a oh chop chop fest the the ending was really good uh daniel bryan kicked the shit out of adam page so um i would figure that that uh bryan <laughs> owes him like a beer or something like <laughs> shit. um it it gets a i won't I don't want to call it dry because that would be disrespecting the match, but there, it maybe it didn't need to go 60, but it did. And there's a part in the middle where it's like, eh, what are we doing here? But 
I liked it. I liked how it ended. I, I immediately knew once this went past 30 minutes, Hangman was retaining. I just didn't know how. Right. Because he was getting his ass kicked too thoroughly. And if you, if you, okay, it would have been headline news in this particular universe had Brian Danielson walked had Hangman Adam Page down like he was doing. Had yeah. he done all that and then finished him, I mean, I don't know how you come back from that. Like, it, it would. I, I'm. I much. I much rather see this happen because it was similar to with Miro losing to Sammy Guevara. Uh, how do you make it happen to make it make sense? Well, Miro. That was Miro's first loss, and it was for the TNT Championship, and it was time to get the championship off of Miro. Um, eh, debatable, but uh, I got you. I mean, more more so for the apparent or the seemingly apparent injury. We we can we can argue about that one, regardless. Yeah, yeah. The only reason is the injury. I'm not going to sit here and listen to Tony Schiavone tell me how successful of a title reign Adam Page has had when he hasn't had one match. So the one thing you're not going to do is take the belt away from him in his first match without a successful defense. That happens in boxing, not professional wrestling. Not with the I mean, top-tier talent. Now, I could have booked it. I mean, if he lost his first title defense and then goes back into drinking and, like, completely falls off the wagon, <laughs> terrible, terrible timing with Jeff Hardy. But, and then you get your rematch at, rematch at Revolution and then, you know, you regain the title, then that's probably a good look. That's a decent story, but... <laughs> uh, I don't even know I, I, was, I was telling you earlier Today that that kind of reminded me Back to the old WCW days The World Championship Wrestling this TV show Not the organization days Where you would have a championship match And then if the championship match didn't spend the time limit Of what was remaining on TV The remaining matches that you had were standby matches <laughs> And that's Pretty much how I felt last night The rest of uh, Dynamite went with the exception of the MJF uh, Dante uh, match, because uh, that man Dante Dante is crazy, man. That dude, wow. <laughs> oh, oh, he's he gonna print money sooner than later too. He might want to slow the hell down though, because he uh, he he out, he out here one uh, like a, a, a inch a half inch away from doing some maiming to his own body. One need, one speed. <laughs> uh. Also, this past weekend, we uh, we went out of our way to make sure we got ROH final battle, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some applause on that because it was uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> it was it wasn't it wasn't anything to bring down the house, but you had some uh, some highlights. Cool. Yeah, which is cool. And if, if for which the price, cool. I'm cool. <laughs> Shout out Royce Five Nine. I'm cool with the um, with the matches. Um, I mean, with the, with the cost, the ten dollar or the twenty dollar ticket was actually pretty dope, uh, or twenty five dollar ticket rather. Uh, two standout matches: um, Shane Taylor versus Kenny King, and fight without honor, full blown street fight, no DQ, tons of gratuitous weaponry and violence. Uh, Shane Taylor defeats Kenny King, and uh, this was a this was an homage to all old school battles. I mean, I'm this was this takes you back to the, the ghetto street fights that Butch Reed and JYD would have. This was the end of a blood feud, and they hugged it out in the ring afterwards, which was super dope. Considering this is this is quite possibly the last ROH event. 
Shout out to Kenny King for the Jordans under Dickies. So. <laughs> well, no. Well, yeah. Well, he had Jordans under Dickies. Hey, but he, what I didn't like was Caprice Coleman sitting here talking about he had Black Air Force Ones energy. No. No. Listen, listen. I don't know who fed fed these lines, but somebody was paying attention. Like they're current. Like you want WWE level production value with that type of name dropping, with that type of commentary. Somebody got to call him. Apologize tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> before Tony lures him over cause I guarantee Morrow will say Black Air Force One energy that's, that's right out of his playbook right out of his wheelhouse yep and also will come with a, with a rap coat to go with it um, notable Mama in, Mia in the Brody King Homicide Tony Deppin versus Rocky Romero EC uh, well I'm sorry Brody King Homicide Tony Deppin which is Violence Unlimited and Rocky Romero they're all on the same team Versus EC3, Eli Isom, Taylor Russ, and Tracy Williams match. Post-match, EC3 grabs the microphone and cuts the longest unnecessary promo ever just to bring out Titan Adam Share, which was the first time we've seen the former Braun Strowman since his uh, WWE uh, contract was uh, terminated. Or he was future endeavored, should I say. Um, don't know how we feel about this because... EC3 took he talked too long but it's this whole control your own narrative faction that's starting to, to brew and you've got two first class athletes in it let's just see where this goes but oh I'm sorry there was three matches that were noteworthy uh, in the semi in the semi main event you had them boys Mark and Jay the Briscoe brothers taking on uh, OGK which is Matt Taven and Mike Bennett um, the match was decent Briscoes did what the Briscoes do but post match lights go out Lights come on, FTR is in the ring, and they go to a full-fledged brawl. All but setting up the Briscoes to show up in AEW for the first time in their career with a, a uh, for a larger national audience, which I think they more than deserve. Them boys are what's best for business as far as what I'm concerned, because I like when wrestlers fight. So if I can get the Briscoes on AEW television beating people up, the chances increase for me to see a full-scale ass-kicking of the Young Bucks. <laughs> but it's not going to come before we see a full-scale brawl between them and FTR because uh, we didn't see Dax Harwood show up. We saw Uncle Dax, and Uncle Dax was with the shit on Saturday night. That's for sure. As we move forward, though, Jonathan Gresham, the ROH... Uh, he was the pure champion. He lost the pure championship uh, prior to being put into this match with Bandito. Bandito, who is the or was the ROH champion, vacated the title. And in this match for the quote-unquote last of an era ROH World Championship, they bring out the original ROH uh, World Championship belt and substitute Bandito with Jay Lethal. And uh, Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal put on one hell of a match. And Jonathan Gresham went hard in the motherfucking paint with these these forearm shivers, these chops. He uh, his deep German suplexes. He was there. He was he was in he was in his, his greatest form. We've seen this man live. This was no different from what we saw live. And in fact, they gave him all the time that he needed, which in this case was about 16 minutes. Your winner. Uh, oh, 
<laughs> I would say in last, but I won't do that. You're a winner. ROH world champion, Jonathan Gresham. I love it for him. Um, I like the idea of the champion being able to basically tour with the title and work one-offs. So I would assume he's going to be on w, uh, AEW television sooner than later. Uh, Impact as well. Uh, possibly MLW. Could see him, you know, New Japan. Um, yeah, I mean, part of what I saw gave me hope for what ROH might become. Because you can um, you can kind of rekindle old matches with new flair, like because you have a lot of a lot of talent um, that was previously in Ring of Honor that's in Impact. Then you also have a lot of talent that was previously in the Ring of Honor that's also in AEW. A hundred percent guaranteed, you can get those matches. And when the when the talent works for the same company. It really doesn't matter how the finish goes because that's their company's issue. You're just presenting it. So, like, if you wanted to get a Kenny Omega versus, uh, pick somebody. Kenny Omega versus, uh... Hell, Jonathan Gresham. Jonathan Gresham, why <laughs> Why not? <laughs> that's, that's 100% possible. You can work that piece of business. If Kenny was still doing the belt collector gimmick, this would be perfect. That's all I'm saying. We we got a little room to move. All hope is not lost. I don't think wrestling's dying a slow death, but <laughs> we're going to start paying better attention to how we eat. This this is a this is a whole fact. There was another issue uh, during or I, I guess a bit of uh, interesting circumstance. And uh, in this pay-per-view as well, in the women's title match, Roxy defeated Willow Nightingale, and uh, Roxy was confronted by the uh, women's champion of AAA, uh, the reign of the reign of the reigns champion that is, and Diana Perazzo, and she's about to challenge for the Impact Women's World Championship or the Knockouts title again, and she has invited Roxy to challenge her for uh, for a match in the very near future in Impact for the ROH Women's title because she wants all the gold. That I'm here I'm for. It. I'm with it. <laughs> I'm totally here for that because that, and that means that she has to go to the NWA and then she comes over to AEW. And you know Kanos is definitely with that shit. Yeah. Um couple things here real quick on social media shout out to icw and uh which one you want to tackle first you want to tackle uh good try terry or you want to tackle the tackle this moment in time um let's put good try terry first because then this will make way more sense okay good try terry actually bret hart that's this <laughs> let's say that Bret Hart is back here being uh, Mr. Grumpy Old Man, uh, best best there is, was, and ever will be, on the front porch smoking a cigar, telling kids to get off his lawn, and he's got rocks for landscaping. Um, you can handle it from here, Suave, on that one. 
I mean, Bret Hart just out here applying pressure. <laughs> I mean, it'd be it'd be different if there was a match about to happen, but I, I ain't the kind of pressure I want to see. <laughs> Man, look, Bret Hart is out here living his best life, being as truthful as he wants to be. He is on no one's payroll currently. He's gonna say whatever he feels like. He he's been uh, out <laughs> out um what's the word I'm looking for? Out overstated it, outstated. He he's been very outspoken. much outside. Yeah, outspoken and outside. He's definitely outside. About, outside and outspoken about his opinions about Richard Flair. Now Terry Bollea is finna get this smoke. <laughs> it is what it is. And and you can't really refute the stuff that he's saying. Like what he said about Hogan, <laughs> it's it's disrespectful as fuck. But <laughs> When you put the magnifying glass on it, it's like, well, shit. It's not really lying. So what did he say exactly, again? When you cherry pick the disrespect, then it's a little, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a little easier to, to see. If you cherry pick out the disrespect, but let me look up this exact quote so we can go ahead and, and put, some, put some real smoke on this. Yeah. yeah. These quotes come courtesy of comicbook.com. And they, they have published this article from a couple of days ago about Bret Hart getting outside. WWE Hall of Famer Bret Hart has made it no secret that he doesn't get along with some of the other all-time greats in the pro wrestling industry. In an interview with the Calgary Sun, huh, Hart was asked about his influence on future generations of pro wrestlers when the subject of Hulk Hogan came up. Hart said, I think it all goes back to WWE. Oh, no. Okay. That's written crazy. I think it all goes back to when when Gorilla Monsoon called me the excellence of execution. I was just a guy who did everything right. I remember when I started wrestling. I knew how to, how everything worked. I knew how to take turnbuckle hits to the chest. I knew how to body slam. Um, when you want to watch how to do something in wrestling, you watch my matches back. You learn how to do a sharpshooter, and that's how you do it. Want to learn how to do a standing suplex? That's how you do it. I was always that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't break your fucking arm, bro. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in the dungeon, but the dungeon is gonna be the ring in which you're getting paid to be in. Watch me right. work. Get continue. You, you feel me? <laughs> Shouts out to my dad Stu. Go ahead. It's like, it's like the equivalent of you don't have this. <laughs> Listen, I have drop toe holds. I have uh, leg locks. I have leg laces. I have headlocks, and. <laughs> Speaking of headlocks, go ahead. I have, I have <laughs> leg sweeps from Russia. <laughs> the the finest, the finest are suplexes from Germany. You don't have this. <laughs> <laughs> I have a death lock I just got from India. <laughs> uh, An Indian sold it to me. But uh, he goes on to say, and all the Canadian wrestlers like Natalia or Edge were influenced by me. He continued, I think if you look back at wrestling when it was <laughs> the Hulk Hogan show. He was a six foot eight and a one out of three wrestler. <laughs> he was six foot eight and a one out of three wrestler. <laughs> he didn't know a headlock from a headlamp. <laughs> he didn't know very much. He knew how to do a clothesline and maybe a body slam. He was very limited. Vince McMahon took a chance with me and made me that champion. It meant so much to me that I think I tried to live up to be that champion. It was all about being the best wrestler. I gave so much as that wrestler. 
I was a good role model in the dressing room. All that means a lot. <laughs> 1993 is still burning the fuck out of him. Listen, man. I, <sighs> WrestleMania 9, like, it's a lot of shit that goes with what happened at WrestleMania 9. If, if Bret Hart at, at 60, what, 3 ish, if he had 2021 energy in real life, and say we dial it back to say 31 years of age. Would this whole diatribe be described in one word, and that one word being mid? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bro. Woo. Boy, boy, boy. All I'm saying is that the smoke is is very much in circulation. Before we get to our special guest, one more bit of business for our last show of the year. Um, don't worry, we got tournaments for your ass, but this one right here, like this is the the last actual news show of the year. Um There was a moment, a moment in time, if you will. Mm. Qu- a question that was asked in the ICW group that we're in on Facebook. And um the question was Which moment would you was it which moment would you keep and which moment goes away? forever Mm -hmm. all right the two moments in comparison come from the summer of 1996 facts one was the formation of the nwo the other is austin 316 the birth thereof uh, following the defeat of jake the snake roberts in the semifinals of the king of the ring tournament finals was it the finals yeah he beat jake to win it Oh, so that's the one that Triple H was supposed to be in the finals with, and because he had he was eating chicken shit, it ended up being Steve Austin versus uh, versus Jake. You would be correct. Also, fun fact: Jeff Hardy's working the door. <laughs> nice <laughs> in your house. <laughs> uh, so I know you have an interesting spin on this, so I'm going to say the moment that goes away forever is Austin 316 because you can never rebuild the NWO by destroying or by by having the fans destroy the uh, the integrity of Sting in the process as well as Bobby Heenan as well as Tony Schiavone the entire wrestling world was on Sting's helmet over this I don't think that that negative energy for the wrong reasons can be rebuilt Austin was on a trajectory all his own. Yeah, I think he goes on to have other moments. 316 was just the notch in the cap that got him to uh, on on top of the ladder, looking down on the rest of the wrestling world. What is your take on that? Um, it's similar to yours. Oh, look at the, that! Yeah, like you you murdered my shit. You buried the lead, bro. What? I didn't even know your point of view. That's the crazy so, shit. Right. So I looked at it like this. Austin could have cut that same promo the next night on Raw and actually more people would have seen it. And you would have given them a week to get prepared with the signs. It, it, it's, a, it's an iconic promo. It lives in infamy for a whole lot of reasons. However, to your point, Austin could have done that shit in his sleep. <laughs> this is <laughs> uber like, facts. And, and if we're going to be totally honest about it, Austin 316 caught on with the crowd, but he didn't pop in 96 till the end. 
he popped more than in the end of 97 than he did the end of 96 and that's just calling it spade a spade and since we're tying loose ends together bret hart's the reason he popped at the end of 96. talk about it so to be perfectly honest the new york crowd at survivor series 96 is what helped make that happen and him aiming all his vitriol at bret hart bret hart is what put it over the top austin 316 was the cool shit you put on the shirt <laughs> but he but i still we we feel we're in agreement he would have been able to do that at any point this on the other side however you got one shot to get this right that's it and you had that's it the wcw wasn't known for pay-per-views they were known for starcade they were known for clash the champions they weren't known for a totality of pay-per-views we're two years into actually making a profit bash so we're, we're wait, climbing up wait 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 two years in to making a profit while you cornered the market on how guaranteed contracts are structured and professional wrestling you're the only company doing this this is exactly why we have to talk about this stuff before we record because this is all the same shit i'm thinking you get guaranteed contracts you get the 90 day no compete you get the favored nations clause which a lot of people don't know about you get agents negotiating contracts on behalf of talent they changed so much of the business with the NWO and its accompanying members. If you take away the launch with Hogan turning heel, which is probably the biggest, that might be the biggest moment in modern wrestling. Like, have we done have we done a moments mixtape or a moments tournament yet? Nope. Add it to the list. <laughs> put, put, a, put a pin in there because that's like that's a one seed. <laughs> like dead ass is a one seed um but because of everything that hall nash and hogan are responsible for in the framework of wrestling like literally they're just now about to start undoing the shit that they kicked off for those not in the know when wcw shut its doors and the wcw invasion which i throw in air quotes happened the reason why you got Booker T and the rest of them guys and the rest of those guys will remain nameless for purposes of this conversation is the fact that your level 1A players and level 1B players could not be there in, in clear conscience and, and, and in logic because they would be throwing away a bag that they were still getting paid from the contract that they signed if they showed up on WWE television. So who, who better to sit at home and collect a paycheck for doing absolutely as the petty messiah would say shit nothing canyon <laughs> who better than canyon who did it <laughs> it's, you see you see broken pencil logic where dreams come true man goldberg was probably the biggest poster child rick flair like they uh you were waiting you were waiting even like, I don't even remember what the contract status was for Hogan, Nash, and Hall at that time. But I know that they were waiting it out. There was there was no conversation to be had until the end of their contract got close within like 90 days. <laughs> they negotiated contracts that were so plush that, let's be honest, they didn't have to do shit else after WCW closed. And for those of you who don't know what the Favorite Nations Clause is, it's literally... 
I signed for what I signed for. However, in the event that you bring someone else in, they can't make more they, than me. They can't make more than me. <laughs> so if you're going to give them a million, you got to bump me up if I'm at 750. <laughs> give me 1.1 to usurp that one that you just brought in. My nickname is Matchbox. <laughs> Cause you're gonna have to check the box to make sure you match me what you giving him. Are you serious? <laughs> that's what that's active. That's not even that, outside. That's just active. That's the biggest money move. It's the biggest of money moves. <laughs> and I, it's perfect for this show. Kevin Owens. Kevin yeah. Kevin Owens playing the role of Ted DiBiase in 1990. <laughs> Young homie, count this bread. <laughs> what 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 did you see on this? Because for the record, we thought Kevin Owens' contract was going to be up in like January, and that he's probably going to jump ship and go to Jacksonville. We know that is yeah. not going to be the case for at least three years. Everybody looked at the situation that Kevin Owens was in and felt like he had been languishing with no real direction. He would have uh, start and stop pushes. It just seemed like seemed like Kevin Owens was just there. And we felt like, and a lot of people online have felt like, just in wrestling community period, they didn't have to be online, have felt like he was capable of so much more. And that the lure of comparable money, less dates, and the change of scenery where you're around um, familiar faces right would uh, would be enough to entice him to leave well apparently that's not the case uh, care of wrestlingnews.co um, there's an article about Kevin Owens has finally come forward and kind of spoke on why he decided to stay so the article goes as such Kevin Owens decided to re-sign with WWE as his contract was slated to expire in January. The former Universal Champion signed a three-year deal that would make him one of the highest paid wrestlers in the company. The talks between the two sides began this fall. Owens opened up on his decision to Pat LaParade of TVA Sports, where the full interview is in French. That's fancy as fuck. Well, he, he's a French Canadian, so that's that's part for the course. That's like speaking you, English. But if you, like, we know. But when has he ever gotten a chance to show that on on WWE TV? I he, think he, he might have spoke French like once or twice. Yeah, he's he's done, he has had a couple of glimpses, and they've done some shows in Canada where he did that. But like, let's be honest, that's that's him that's going an off angle. the rails. That's an that's angle. Him. That's an angle that's being left unturned and untapped. I, I continue. What that boy. <laughs> Cesaro speaks five languages. If you could get at Cesaro, least. Cesaro, Sammy, and Kevin all together, and they they literally get around people and don't speak English. No, 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 no. Cesaro, Sammy, and uh, Ko, and Nakamura. And when no, they finally ask him the last question, uh-uh. Nakamura responds with, "Sorry, we don't speak English." Mm, uh, nope. <laughs> nope. 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 Uh, the, the, other, the other three need to be able to understand Japanese, and I don't know how much Japanese either one, any of those three speak. Uh, there's that too. Continue though. 
but but yes if, if we're gonna if we're gonna <laughs> if we're gonna ride on the the fence and the edges of um questionable content yeah that's pretty fucking funny man oh boy but um let's see three-year deal highest paid wrestler in the company one of High, one, one of the highest paid yeah until roman decides to re-up so, so that whole shit about the egg and survivor series he ain't that far off <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't him though that was uh austin theory no 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 no. during survivor series oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> and they were talking about the egg teasing the rock making all of us like right hey, fuck yeah you. yeah boy fuck you <laughs> when they when they were doing that and had that conversation and roman had that parting line of they because he's talking about the the value of the egg was a hundred million dollars and roman was like huh almost as much as my next contract <laughs> Foresight, foreshadowing. Uh, especially with how they finna change shit up now. Oh no! It's so be so if if negotiations, Kev, if Kevin Owens is on the front end of this new change, um, let's just hope that he doesn't have a favorite nations clause in that. Cause <laughs> nah, I, no, nothing about WWE says there's a favorite nations clause. No, nah, well, if if anybody's eligible for that, it will probably be at this point the Undertaker of the new of the new era, which is Randy Orton. That would be the only person who who may get that. But I would say if, I, like if, if we, I was if I was Roman, I'd put that shit in my language. If I had to make a, a mixtape, if I had to make a mixtape for the top five highest paid. With Kevin Owens being the middle, being in the middle uh, at number three, and we already know Randy Orton's number one. Who is two? Who is two, four, Wait, and five? Do, do we? Do we know Randy's number one? Um, do we count Triple H? No. So in that, so in that regard, I would think so because that there was something about the deal that he just got last year. I'm, I would assume safely that Randy Orton will be the top of the food chain. I think that's Randy Orton bias, but hey, well, for no, 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 that's that's broken pencil that. logic. I'm saying because from he's been in WWE nonstop, no breaks since 2002. And why would he not be the highest paid person? Well, uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, exactly. There's Brock. There's Brock. Thank you. <laughs> My bad. Thank you. I was wondering when you were gonna circle the block on that. I didn't want to be that guy. I was gonna let you okay. figure it out on your own. All right. So Biggie, Jay Z, and Nas. Okay. So <laughs> shit, bro. Reggie, Biggie, Jay Z, and Nas. All right. Oh, uh, damn it, man. Like <laughs> so, Brock, Tyson Fury is probably higher paid than fucking Randy Orton. Uh, that Over. contract. I'm sure that contract is up. So we'll we'll say active roster. We got. Brock Lesnar, roster, so. yes, Lesnar. We, we got Rand, Randy Orton. Now, I'm, I'm, I, I'm torn on that. I don't because look, Romans Romans reups are never publicized. I'm going to put him at number three. I'm going. We had we had KO at number three. I'm going to put him. I'm, I'm definitely putting Orton. I mean, uh, uh at uh, at Rand, I mean, uh, sorry, Roman at number three. Unless KO is at number three now, and uh, Roman is at four until the reup happens. We we are we are completely split on this, a hundred percent. I think Roman's way high. I think Roman's probably two. You think? Yeah. Because look, we're not dealing by the new rules yet. We're not on like not, that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm saying. So, but but even still, like I, Roman's, I feel like Roman's higher. I don't think so, man. Nah, that that's your that's your Randy Orton bias. No, nah, I'm like, telling you, that's not that's I, he, not. I I, I he, just he's got he's got one of the more recent publicized you know re signings. 
You realize we never hear or talk about when Roman's contract comes up because it never becomes a discussion. <laughs> right. <laughs> this but is what my, I'm saying. But my thing, my thing is We uh, ain't never seen Roman on a countdown to re-up list. Never. Ten- tenure. Um and and the fact that he is the elder statesman for the locker room. Like I, I will say he probably cashed out when the when the hype was really high that he might leave and he sort of leveraged that. In, in negotiation, like, and sadly, I, I that was what three years ago. That was at yeah. the that was at the start of AEW. That was three years ago, right? So he's on a three or five right now. So, damn, damn. Hey, look, money moves. <laughs> let damn you got, it. Sometimes right. you just gotta let me quarterback this shit. I'm just trying to. Now you so now you 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 try you try to get me to to think out loud and it's working. Okay, so let's you go. <laughs> let's go with Brock. That's what this whole show is. Let's go, Brock number one. Yes. Uh, I I we, I'll I'll concede and say Roman number two. Thank you. I'm gonna KO say KO jumped. KO just jumped to number three. The cow jumped over the moon. Um, Orton's Orton should be four. He should be yeah. four. Now I agree with you there. Um, now who's number now here, five? Now, now here's where it gets tricky <laughs> because a lot of people got new deals. A lot of people got new deals, but a lot of those people with new deals got cut. So like the Fiend would have been up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strowman had comparable money, mm-hmm. um, and we and we knew what his bag was after he left. That you was, know what I'm saying? And I like, told so, y'all what that was too before he left. Yeah. So if Strowman was getting that, then you got to count up for everybody. Like I would assume. Do you know? Do you know? Bobby, do I what? Do you do you have to count up? Because cutting just be, just because like if 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 Strowman is getting one point whatever, and I'm higher on the card more frequently, I think we figured damn him, well I, I want more I, money. I think we figured him at nine. I think we figured him around nine. Okay. Uh, Nine hundred. Bobby Lashley's. I think Bobby Lashley should be in the top ten somewhere. I think he's in the top ten, but is he number five? Hell no. Exactly. There's no. Because remember when he came back? I think he's at four or five right now. Who? Lashley. You think his money's at four? No, no, no. Contract year wise, he's at four or five. Okay. There's no way he came back anywhere close to Strowman. So now he, he will be in the top five. After this, oh yeah, no, not not even a question. And he has no merch. <laughs> I, I don't give a fuck about merch. I got two T-shirts that people never talk about, and I never wear because they want me to show my body as much as possible. It's I, either a I, suit or wrestling. I was say I make these money off these suits, cuz. <laughs> Do you feel me? Like we can sell a hurt business pocket square, bitch. And I would buy that bitch twice on Sunday. <laughs> I make money moves. <laughs> Oh man. man Bobby Lashley Sunshades. Uh who's five? Who's five? You gonna make me look at the fucking roster. AJ Styles, that's who's five. I had I, almost, I was thinking about it and I lost it and just came back. You know what? I'll take that. Because AJ has a recent re up. And it's he, a, and, and, and he this re up the same time Randy Orton did, and this, so they and, ought to be And this is his last re up too. Nah, I don't believe that shit either. Well, he, as as an active competitor, that's what he said. He I said, "I don't." You still believe don't believe him. him? Okay, all right. That you. That's cool. Again, the lure of Jacksonville is what comparable money, comparable money, a lighter dates, a way lighter schedule, and I can hang out with my friends. <laughs> all of them. 
That's it. <laughs> the ones, so, the ones, the ones across town in Orlando, not at the PC, not at, not at the CWC. You know what I'm saying? And then also your friends that are actually in Jacksonville at Daly's place. Then there's that. So until until somebody really stops wrestling, I don't believe they're gonna stop wrestling after any deal because there's money to be made, and it's not about. It's not always about the money. It's about what money can do. And then there's that. Yeah, money moves. Money moves has got to be the title. I've never named a show. It's got to be it. Money moves is the title. Got to be. I got to find a picture of Ted DiBiase or some shit. And and, and describe me how to fuck up a bag for life? (laughs) DJ Tony Snow. (laughs) That's called a segue. We've been talking money shit all episode. We we got... um, one last bit of business, if you will, if to discuss. You will. Episode 139 we had on uh, Jerry Bostic, a.k.a. The Boss, World Class Pro Wrestling, uh, President and CEO, and also had on Tony Snow. We bring back the family member. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Tony Snow. This, Can't ban the snowman. This time, uh, this time's a little different. Tony is a friend a real friend uh, to the show, friend of me. I'm a friend of his. Mental pusher extraordinaire, bitches. <laughs> this- Mark that. <laughs> that. Yeah, that's going on the trigger. <laughs> that, but here's what's crazy. We've never gone through your accolades, and there's a reason why I want to do this right now. So tell me, or tell the pencil pusher massive all the things that you are currently doing and what you have done in this professional wrestling industry um well currently doing i i started out in pro wrestling almost five years ago i got into it with ring of honor and um ian riccaboni and gary jester uh welcomed me in i learned a lot from gary jester he's a lot of people don't know his name but he's one of the few if not the only person that was an executive for WCW, WWF, WWE, pretty much everyone. Uh, he worked for Eric Bischoff, worked for Vince. And so right from the get-go, I was spoiled because I got to learn from one of the greatest color commentators in this era, and Henry Cabani, and a master when it comes to the business in Gary Jester. And so then I was able to kind of branch out from there into other wrestling promotions. Um, and since then, in the past five years, I currently I work for seven different pro wrestling companies. Uh, I have all access with most of them because I'm a producer. I do audio and video. Um, I make all the theme music for a lot of these promotions. Uh, I've also worked backstage and creative and stuff. So uh, it's funny whenever, you know, whenever somebody, especially in the past week, when I've spoken to people about what we're going to talk about, I've gotten met with a little bit of doubt at first. People will be like, man, I don't have any idea who you are. You know, who are you to talk about this? And my response is kind of like when I met Million Dollar Man um, as a youngster, you know, I told him, man, I used to hate you when you were on TV. And he said, well, that's good. That means I'm doing my job. And in the position that I'm at, if you know who I am, I'm not really doing my job because my job is to make the wrestlers in front of me and the guys that are putting their lives on the line in the ring look as good as I possibly can uh, by means of various forms of media. So I work in production for just a ton of different companies right now. Now, that said, uh, you invited us to an event, which is the event where we actually, uh, we finally met Teddy Long face to face. 
that I had a long conversation with him. Just just chopped it up. Just had a just had a damn a damn good time. And uh, at this event, it was a TV taping for an organization that shall remain nameless, as they are no longer valid, um, relevant uh, for for a number of reasons. And I'm not trying to throw shade or anything like that. It's just it, it, this. What's in the past is in the past, and there's better things in the future for uh, for the people in that organization as well as uh, you yourself, who was a part of that organization, and especially Teddy Long. Which uh, our heartfelt wishes uh, and prayers go out to Teddy Long and his family for what he's dealing with right now as well. Uh, that said, we saw who I knew as at that time as Blood Hunter throw a hotel chair not a folding chair not not a gimmick chair an actual banquet chair at a rookie and it hit him in the skull with a i'm i'm probably about 20 rows back i'm i'm completely out of dodge i have a bird's eye view from the catbird seat literally away from the ring and i heard this with a, probably close to a thousand people in this hotel uh hotel room and the sound was more like a boom. And everybody in the crowd just said, ah, typically when like you have like a chair shot or like a, like a wild hit, it's like, ooh. This one was like fear and fright from the crowd. As now, I'm gonna, real quick, I'm just going to stop you there. And I don't mean to correct you, but he didn't really throw the chair. That would have been one thing because when you let go of the chair, you sometimes you don't know where it's going to land. This guy overhand overbrained this kid. Been down for okay, I'm sorry. Crack. He cracked the chair. <laughs> what? Well, can you repeat the last part again? It sounded like a baseball bat hitting a car. Yeah. The, the sound from it. It oh. was. It was sickening. It was bad. And and not only was Pat Ortega a rookie, he was a student. That was one of his first matches. And you know the 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 locker room came out to. Try, more so to try to, to get a handle on him when we no one really knew that they should have been trying to get a handle on Blood Hunter. It didn't dawn on me until this nonsense happened at, at uh, World Class Pro Wrestling Star Wars, uh, Christmas Star Wars here in, uh, in Irving, Texas, back on the 11th. It didn't dawn on me that Blood Hunter was fucking Hannibal. Teddy took device, decisive action. Teddy went over and started talking to Bloodhunter before he even took his mask off. And Teddy sent him back to Canada for being unsafe. To tell you what type of impact this shot had, and the thing that really sickened me is afterwards, uh, Hannibal kept trying to blame it on the kids, saying he didn't get his hands up in time, and then kind of downplaying what happened. Like, oh, he went to the hospital, but he was let out in three hours after they stitched him up. Like, it was nothing. It was like he was trying to defer it. But anyway, I hired a friend of mine uh, Hannibal asked me, because I've known Hannibal since he came on at SWE. Hannibal asked me if I knew any photographers in Dallas that he could pay to be his personal photographer for that show. He did the same thing for Star Wars, which we'll talk about. But I brought my buddy Justin Livingston. What up, Jay Liv? And Justin Livingston is still shook up to this day because when when Hannibal brained Pac Ortega with that chair, it, it literally sliced his scalp open and flipped his skin back. And Justin was there looking at, at Pac's skull. Like, his skull was exposed. Oh, dub deuce D's. Yikes. Yeah. Exactly. So, I just wanted to clarify that as you were talking about, you know, that incident at the Statler. Man. So, now, making... no, That was very much under the radar. 
I just happened to be in attendance for that nonsense. Making national and international news is this incident from Christmas Star Wars. Please, and you were there for that as well, working with uh, World Class. Uh, please elaborate. Like, let us let us know your account of what happened. All right. So, um, I get to the show. I get there early, of course, and go around collect all the music from everybody because. World Class is, uh, they've got this awesome TV deal in place, and starting in January, they'll be running monthly and it'll be broadcast. So, this was the last month that I could play unlicensed mainstream music, which, if you know uh, independent wrestling, 90% of the talent uses licensed mainstream music. Um, like, whether it's something that they work out to, or it's one of their favorite artists or something. They like coming out to what they come out to. It gets them pumped up, blah, blah, blah. Well, when you're on TV, you can't do that unless you pay licensing fees. Also, if you have um, unlicensed music on a YouTube video of the show, then YouTube can copyright claim that and keep your entire episode from any monetization at all. I've been telling the guys, hey, guys, if you want anything, I'll get it the day of the show. I'm going around collecting music from everybody. It comes to a point where I have everybody's music but Hannibal's. Now, I knew from the past that Hannibal liked coming out to no music. I always thought it was ridiculous. He always thought it was the heelish thing to do, which whatever, we know how much he really knows about wrestling. You can watch any of his shoot interviews and you can see how little he knows about the business because he asks people questions that you should never ask somebody if you knew a thing of what they did. It's, it's um, like he's just trying to get people to hate him in real life, which why? Exactly. Why would you? I don't know. Controversy creates cash and things. But anyway, so I couldn't find I couldn't find Hannibal. I couldn't find him anywhere. Now, Southern Junction is like a labyrinth backstage. And that's gonna be important near the end of the story, because when you go up the ramp, you go through where Gorilla, I guess, would be, there's nothing there. It's, it's a replica of the Alamo. So you have to go through the Alamo entrance, you turn right and there's a hallway. You go down that hallway, it leads to a door. You knock on that door and you ask for poop. No, I'm joking. Anyway, you go to the hallway, you come to a door, you open the door, it's an office. You go through that office, it opens up into a like a common area with tons of other offices around it. You go through that area, through another hallway, and you go around a corner, and then you're finally in the locker room. I'm not even joking, man. It takes forever, and I actually got lost. Trying to find my way back to the locker room. It was it's that crazy. Plus the site's under construction too back there. They're renovating. So it's like this whole backstage labyrinth that looks like the house from Home Alone lost in New York. You know, like stuff's <laughs> hanging everywhere and there's orange tape and stuff everywhere. Finally get back there. I can't find Hannibal. Um, Justin Livingston shows up because Hannibal wanted to hire him again for this show. So he shows up and he's like, yeah, man, I can't find Hannibal anywhere. They're telling me that he's hiding back some in the back drunk. And I'm like, well, damn. And so immediately, the minute he said that, I start to work. Because um, I've seen wrestlers get in the ring drunk and hurt other people. You know, I saw one wrestler get in the ring drunk and he gigged another wrestler and he gigged them too deep. And there was just a pool of the man's blood in the ring afterwards. And, and afterwards, people from the show would talk about hey don't wrestle someone who's drunk don't uh, wrestle drunk you just don't do that because you're taking someone's life in your hands and so time goes on it gets closer and closer uh show's about to start and then uh justin comes back to me and he's like well i found hannibal and he's drunk 
He's been in the back in an RV drinking all the way leading up to the show. So he wasn't even in the locker room, wasn't going over his match, wasn't hanging out with the boys, wasn't, you know, doing any, for practicing any camaraderie or any respect to the business. He was in an RV out back drunk. So the, the, um, the time comes for the show. I see my buddy Lando there, who's a referee. And um, Lando was brought in for a specific reason. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but the, the match starts and my buddy, who's the ring announcer, um, I'm, I'm up above the ring. I'm in the cock, the, not the cockpit, the crow's nest, they call it. The sound booth at Southern Junction is elevated. And so I had about, uh, I don't know, probably a 40 degree angle down to the ring. I could see everything that happened in the ring, everything that happened around the ring. I could see up to the walkway. I could see all the waste of the back and all that. I had the best seat in the house, which it should be because it was my job to keep the video screens up and running with who was wrestling in the match, but keep the graphics up and be able to tell the cues when the match ended uh, to play the music. So uh, Jason James, the ring announcer, he, I guess he was unaware that Hannibal didn't have any music. So he goes to introduce Hannibal and the music doesn't start. And instead of Hannibal appearing at the stage, there's silence, like nothing. And so he starts looking around and he looks up at me and he's shrugging his shoulders and I'm trying to tell him, you know, Bloodhunter doesn't have music. This whole time I'm thinking that maybe, you know, Jason just doesn't realize this and that's what's holding it up. Well, a few minutes later, like literally minutes later, we were waiting that long. Bloodhunter appears in the doorway. So he's, so he's Hollywooding the whole situation with no music. I think, I think he was drunk, man. Wow. Because he finally makes it to the doorway and he's moving much slower than he usually does. Now, I have been in production and sat through probably about six or seven Bloodhunter matches at this point. Okay. I know the way the man moves. I know the pace and the style that he walks. I know how he acts. And he was just super lethargic, man. It just took him forever to get to the ring. He, it, he slowly walked down to the ring. Uh, he had Blaze, his real-life girlfriend and manager, with him, and Kevin Sullivan with him. They were both walking behind. And by the time he finally gets into the ring, he tries to stand up on the second rope and pop the crowd, and he almost falls down off of the second rope. Like, he slips. He's he's messed up. And um, the the referee, Colby, notices this. And I've spoken... or I, I, He's spoken to different news outlets. He's made... Uh, written articles on Reddit talking about how he could tell Hannibal was messed up and how as soon as Carlito got to the ring, he told Carlito, the dude's messed up, get this done, GTFO. And I'm pretty sure I saw the moment that happened because I remember seeing right before the match started, Colby talking to the to Carlito and Carlito just kind of looked at him and kind of a surprised look, you know what I'm saying? And so... The match started, and I'm using air quotes when I say match because it was a dumpster fire. Um, Bloodhunter was obviously out of it. He wasn't listening to anything the ref was saying to him. The ref at one point was even almost yelling at him, and he wasn't listening. And um, there came a time in the match where Andrew Anderson, who Andrew Anderson, Kevin Sullivan, Bloodhunter, and Blaze were trying to reform the Dungeon of Doom, make it a new Dungeon of Doom, new faction. And so Andrew Anderson, ever since, especially since he's been traveling with Kevin Sullivan, 
has been bringing golden spikes with him for his merch table. These are legit iron railroad spikes. The I same, the one. same one you showed me from the show at the Statler. Exactly. Um, and when I went live on Facebook to talk about this, I showed the spike live on the air. This is a two to three pound spike. It feels like I'm sure it's not that much, but it feels heavy. It's iron and it's spray painted gold. <clears throat> Andrew gave this to me when I asked him about the golden spike at Lava Cantina last year. And so I took it. I got Andrew to sign it. I got Kevin Sullivan to sign it. And I have it as a paperweight on my desk. Um, but Andrew Anderson comes down to the ring and he slides a golden spike into the ring to Bloodhunter. Now, in Bloodhunter's response to the TMC, the TMZ article, he lied. He said that this was a prop given to him by World Class. It was given to him by Andrew Anderson. Um, and he also said that it was the same spike that that Kevin Sullivan used on Dusty Rhodes in 1984. I have no idea where that came from, because that's a complete lie. <laughs> this is a spike that Andrew Anderson spray painted gold and sells at his merch table. Um, and so another, you know, the spike gets slid in. Arlito picks it up, looks kind of surprised at it. Bloodhunter comes from across the ring, gives Carlito a big boot, and then rolls him up in one of the worst roll-ups I've ever seen executed in my entire life, and much less my career in wrestling. This was horrible. A schoolboy could do the schoolboy roll-up better. Um, and the match ended. Well, when the match ended, Andrew Anderson and Carlito started fighting. Carlito knocked Andrew outside. Bloodhunter just starts going after reps. At this point, my buddy Lando comes down to the ring. Now, I don't think I'm exposing the business when I talk about this. I think a lot of pencil pushers are in the know enough to where they know certain things happen. It's a show. It is it is um, simulated combat with a predetermined outcome. That's pro wrestling, okay? And so there was supposed to be a ref spot. Lando was brought in for this job. He Lando did not referee any of the other matches. Lando was brought in because he can bleed he's not afraid to cut himself and he bleeds pretty well which is a bad thing to say i guess about somebody it seems like it right but anyway so he was hired to come in and give juice and they even had an extra canvas on the ring and they put the blood hunters match as last up before intermission so that after lando did bleed they'd be able to take the canvas off and there wouldn't be blood everywhere does that make sense yes like, indeed. It was all planned so Lando was in the back. I saw him moments before it happened, man. I, I talked to him, had a small conversation, gave him a hug. I want to tell you guys, this happened to the, the sweetest man in the world, dude. Lando, there's nobody that can say anything bad about him. He's a decorated army veteran. He was a medic that saw that saw action in, in Iraq. He and, was in Fallujah. Just, just to be clear, Lando is the referee who was spiked that was in the, uh, the, the clip that, that's floating around TMZ. Yes, Lando was the victim here. And so he's given his, his life to for the country. He just lost his wife like three months ago. He's a fresh widow, and he brought his daughter with him to the show. So Lando goes down to the ring. Bloodhunter grabs him. And Bloodhunter didn't just grab him, you know, to work, mess with him, whatever. From the looks of it, he had malicious intent in mind because he grabbed him. And he picked him up by his throat from behind and put his knee into his back. So he's sitting here with Lando on the ground on his stomach. He's got a knee into Lando's back and he's crying back up on him with his 
around his neck, choking him out. Lando was literally unconscious before he could even cut himself, right? And so that's when a lot of footage in the video starts. You see Lando getting choked and you see Bloodhunter. First, he starts by scraping the spike on Lando's forehead. And then I guess when that didn't produce enough blood, he starts legitimately stabbing Lando in the cranium with the spike. Um, and again, in his response video to TMZ, he keeps saying he thought he was holding the spike low enough to where it wasn't hitting him. Uh, and he couldn't see it because of the mesh covering his eyes. It's like, dude, if you couldn't see, you had no business trying a freaking spot. That part. Second of all, the way he was holding the spike, it was obvious. And I can show you the spike I have is an exact replica of the one that was used. If he was holding the spike down to the bottom, much more of the spike would have been sticking out of the top of his fist than there was in the videos. So there's no way he, he was holding it to just where his hand would be hitting Lando's head like he said he was. So he keeps spiking Lando on the head. Everyone in the crowd is just silent and kind of shocked at what's going on. But at this point, people still think it's part of the show. The guy who was sitting next to me worked for Southern Junction, and he kept telling me that he pro wrestled for almost 30 years. He was trained by this person, trained by that person. And when it happened, he kept saying, oh, this is part of the show, man. But I had a feeling it wasn't. I was standing up in my production spot, and my eyes were transfixed on Lando. Um, Bloodhunter wouldn't stop. At this point, referees came out surrounding the ring. Certain executives that were close were surrounding the ring, trying to get Lando or trying to get Bloodhunter to stop. Aaron Presley finally reached in, grabbed Lando by the legs, and pulled Lando out of the ring. And Lando left the ring like a limp noodle. There was no life to him whatsoever, and he left a trail of blood that looked like something in a Halloween horror movie. Man, it was bad. Um, wow. Lando hits the ground and he flattens right out. He's unconscious. He didn't any any make any effort to break his fall or nothing. He landed straight on the mat and he didn't move because my eyes stayed transfixed on this guy. We would find out later that his body was going through shock. I forget the actual name of the shock, but he lost over a liter and a half of blood. And so when that happens, your body goes through shock from your organs not being able to get the blood that they had been getting. His body shut down. He was out of it. So at this point, I run down to the ring. Um, I'm literally right right over the shoulder of the people that are attending to Lando. Um, Chaz Taylor, an NWA legend's right next to me. He's in disbelief. You know, everyone that was that close knew that this was not a, a freaking work, man. Um, at one point... Lando kind of jerked to life, and he let out one of the most blood-curdling screams I've ever heard. Uh, you know, that was him regaining consciousness from, from you know, the shock and from being choked out. And then he kind of lost consciousness again. And at that point, um, the Irving EMTs were there. Uh, Irving Police Department had showed up. And in one of the most sickening displays in my life, I look up and I see Bloodhunter, who Devin Hannibal Nicholson, who years ago was cut without permission from abdullah the butcher um contracted hepatitis sued abdullah and won a judgment for 2.3 million dollars jesus christ why he even why he even wrestles as the blood hunter in a gimmick where he draws blood from his opponents when he just when he when he got cured from hepatitis after being stabbed without permission i don't know why he's doing it maybe he's sadistic maybe he thinks he's getting revenge on abdullah by stabbing all these people i don't know but he's sitting in the ring on his knees and he's running his hands into the pool of lando's blood and he's rubbing it all over his chest 
almost in like a sexual no, type of way. No. <laughs> um, no, no. And and so people keep attending the Lando. I look over and I see Blood Hunter exiting the men's bathroom. His chest is clean now. He's washed off all the blood, but he's got a towel over his head. And he walks to the room, to the, through the door to the back room, and he's followed immediately by the Irving Police Department. So, um, Lando gets taken out, um, and the next day, man, um, Hannibal posts a video on Facebook talking about how Kayfabe is still alive and all this crap, and I made some comments on there, and he reported my comments as, um, Harassment and bullying, which and so I spent which, three which, days in Facebook jail. Which is sucker shit. Um, and so uh, I'm just, you know, over the past few days, man, I've just been inundated with people, uh, it, and it's been rough seeing all these people spouting lies and spouting false narratives, calling it a work, saying they know what went on. Here's what really went on. All this stuff when they don't, and you know, I don't, I don't give a fuck, man. You you sent me two uh, pictures, bro. You sent me two pictures with at least. I'm trying to think. Uh, actually, you sent me three. Uh, one picture had at least a pint of blood in it on the on a hotel. I mean, on a hospital bed on a gurney, and then the other two pictures had I counted nine staples. Yeah, and in those the cranium staples of Lando. Those staples have since been removed because Lando's contracted a blood infection from the gold paint on the spike, and he's actually having more treatment now. He's had to go Bruh. back to the hospital three times, man. Um, and so. You know, I, I got tired of the people saying that. I got tired of the people that were like, oh, there had to have been monitors in the back room. The back room should have seen this and been right out there. Well, no, there wasn't. You know, out of all the professional companies I worked for, I can count about two of them that actually have monitors in the locker room. Believe it or not, not everybody has the budget that AEW has. Um, so, um, and then the second thing that really got me heated is, you know, if this was real, then all the vets in the locker room would have been beating him down in the ring. He wouldn't have been able to walk out of that building. Well, first of all, it took everybody minutes to get to the ring. I spoke earlier about how the back room area was like a labyrinth. Um, and when they did get out to the ring, everyone's attention was on saving Lando's lives. Which, when it comes down to it, I would have much rather than be concerned more with saving Lando's life than getting revenge on Bloodhunter immediately. Uh, and then when Blood Hunter did go to the back, um, one of the referees started yelling at him. And, you know, Irving Police was right there. And one of the refs started yelling at him, you know, saying you could have killed him. And he almost started to come at one of the refs, man, in front of the cops. And Jacob Fatu, one of the most stand-up guys in the business I know, was ready to to smash blood on her right then bro whole lot of fucking gang shit yes jacob fatu was ready to just crush him and people held fatu back because the cops were right there and well, at that I'm point so not all, surprised at that point they all yelled at him to leave and blood hunter left and the next thing i know he's already back in canada the next day and um and he hid the spike that he used they can't find the weapon so, I mean, I'm pretty sure that he hit it so that he could always say, oh, the, the blood's from the blade. He did that to himself if it comes down to it. Um, but, I mean, that's the main gist, man. That's what all happened. Uh, Hannibal was drunk, um, kind of upset. And I will say this, I'm kind of upset and disappointed in Kevin Sullivan because he's been around forever and he let Hannibal get out and wrestle in the condition he was in as Hannibal's manager. 
he shouldn't have let that happen. And then after the fact as well, uh, Kevin Sullivan told one of the refs to kayfabe the cops. Um, no. Yeah, and he told Colby to tell the cops it was all part of the show. Um, and thirdly, I just want to say, Jerry Bostic, it's his company, but what happened were the results of one man. And I'm getting really tired of people who not only weren't there, but some of them were hundreds or even thousands of miles away that have had problems with Jerry Bostic in the past. And they're using this to bury him. It's selfish, it's immature, and it's cowardly chicken shit. And Jer- Jerry's a stand-up guy, man. If, if he wasn't a stand-up guy, we wouldn't have had him on our fucking show. You're literally taking the, the spotlight off of the blame on Hannibal and shifting it to Jerry because of what he did to you. And so you're saying that, oh, my feelings are more important than what's going on. You know, screw Jerry, screw Jerry. That sucker shit, that chicken shit, and whoever's doing it. And I know there's people I'm close to. There's people that I have... I love and care for that I've called brothers that are using this and they're posting almost every day getting on the it's Jerry's faultless Barry Jerry bandwag fuck you buddy because <laughs> you're taking this shit and you're making it about something that's not Jerry Bostic did the responsible thing he cut ties with Hannibal right away he's planned a fundraiser show for Lando he's cooperating with everyone that's talking to him I judge people on my dealings with him and he's always been nothing but respectful to me He's paid me on time. He's been kind and courteous to me, both over messages and in person. So anybody that is trying to shift blame from it, from uh, to anyone from Hannibal on this, you can go fuck yourself. And I said that. <laughs> and, and that's there's no better way to leave than that, man. Uh, happy Start holidays to you and yours. Uh, let's see here. Rest in peace to Hub of the Roots. Rest in peace to uh, Jimmy Rave. Uh, and also, shouts out to them, Slago, for the release of the Spaz after a 10-year uh, uh, building of this project. Not, nothing else to say after all this money talk, man. Swap, take us to the house one last time for 2021. Pencil pushers. Heads up. Pencils down. There it is. Straight like that. Straight like that.